back to Practicing Catholic. Patrick Conley, glad to be with you again, along with Cami Berthum, our producer, Paul Sadek, our technical producer, coming to you from the relevant radio studios, 1330 AM in Golden Valley. Joining me now, a perennial favorite, not even perennial, a monthly favorite, is Bishop Cousins. Always great to have you on the program, Bishop. Welcome. Thank you, Patrick. It's a delight to be with you and all the listeners. Well, yeah, and it's a delight to be with you, especially as you're sharing about what you have called an essential tool for the Christian life. And uh, do you want to do you want to reveal what that essential tool is, Bishop? Yes, in my last Catholic Spirit column, I said that uh, small groups are an essential tool for the Christian life, and there's lots of reasons I believe that, but I, I really do believe they're essential. Very good. Well, of course, that's in preparation for our synod small groups that are coming up this fall. Um, let's just start with your personal experience with small groups, because I think, I mean, uh, small groups, some parishes are, are into them and they have a lot of small group activity going on. Some parishes just that's not the way they function. And so this might be an entirely new uh, feature of, of parish life for some parishes, uh, as all parishes are, of course, invited, encouraged, challenged to participate in the synod small groups, of course. Um, so tell us a little bit about your own personal experience and how you have recognized them as this essential tool. Yeah, so um, I began in what I would call like a men's small group even before I was in seminary when I was still in college over 30 years ago. And throughout seminary, throughout my years as a priest and now a bishop, I've always met at least monthly, often twice a month, with a small group of other men where we could pray together share faith, share our struggles, and support and encourage and challenge each other as we seek to grow in the Christian life. And to me, that kind of Christian relationship, that kind of living and active communion, um, is how the church is meant to live. So when I think of even, I you go to Jesus's words at the Last Supper when he says, uh, Love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this than to lay down one's life for another. Or he says, they will know that you are Christians by your love for one another. Well, that has to be more than just being friendly to people at coffee and donuts after mass. <laughs> really? It has to be more than just, just the sign of peace. You know, those are great ways to love each other. But it has to get down to real and deep relationships what Jesus says is friendship. You know, uh, one of my priest friends, he says, where the love of Christ flourishes, friendship flourishes. Mm. And so having real relationships with other Christians that involve some level of commitment, intentionality, right? We agree to meet together every couple weeks, every month, and we're going to study our faith together. And we're also going to share about our struggles and we're going to help each other. We're going to be real brothers and sisters in Christ. So when you have a struggle, you can call me and I'll be there for you. Um, when you have a need or a question about your faith, you can call me. When you're in a challenge, you can. I will be there for you and we'll together get through those challenges. Now, many times those kind of real Christian relations happen quite naturally. But my experience is they happen better when we are intentional about building them. 
there are a hundred different ways to do this. You know, we have lots of examples of it in the archdiocese. We have people who made Curcio together, and then they meet in small groups, in Curcio groups for years. They meet every month for years, and they do this. They're real friends, and they really strive to help each other to grow in holiness. We have lay Catholic communities, like the Community of Christ the Redeemer, or the Emmanuel Community, or the Communion and Liberation Movement. It's exactly what they all do. They meet in small groups and they find ways to share their faith, share their struggles and support and encourage and challenge each other to grow. We have um, study, tons of Bible study groups and that happen in parishes. We have the Cana Family Institute, which is, exists to help young married couples support and grow in their knowledge of how to live marriage together and how to raise a Catholic family. Those are really hard things to do and you can't do these things alone. And so having a small group of people who are become my committed friends, even if it changes over the years, I think it's an essential part of the Christian life. I know myself, I wouldn't be the kind of Christian I am if I hadn't had the courage to humbly acknowledge my weaknesses to my brothers in this kind of intimate small group. So obviously, I don't, I don't tell all my sins from the pulpit, you know, that wouldn't be appropriate. <laughs> I tell them to my confessor. And I share about them in my small group because these are the men who are going to help me deal with my struggles and get through them and learn how to love. And those kind of things are lessons that happen through difficulty and struggle. And the small group, that group of other committed disciples who are walking with me, they help me through that difficulty and struggle. And sometimes it's the struggle to love one of them, right? <laughs> they become, We're difficult and we rub each other and that helps us grow. So... Um, I think those kind of real relationships are absolutely essential. Very good. And you mentioned, Bishop, uh, a few times there, you alluded to being vulnerable with one another, sharing your own struggles, sharing your own, the things that you're facing as part of your life of faith. So it's obvious that within a small group, a lot of trust is necessary to be built. And one okay. of the questions I think might be running through a lot of people's minds is when we're coming into this synod small group season here this fall, yeah, but I'm just going to be thrown into a group of people that I may not know from Adam, and now I'm supposed to be vulnerable with them? I'm supposed to share with them about the challenges I'm facing in my faith? What What would you say to somebody who has that running through their mind? I would say we always wade bef- in water and we put our toe in before we jump in and swim, and that's all normal, right? But, um, but it is an analogous experience, right? And um, so a couple of things. One is, some people might choose to do the synod small groups materials. We're going to ask every Catholic in the archdiocese to participate in a small group this fall. And some people might choose to do that in their already established small group. That would be great. They take our materials. They give us wonderful feedback. They have a time of prayer and study and feedback together. That would be wonderful. So those groups that are already existing, we want to encourage them. And other people will choose to participate in a new small group at their parish. It can be a great way to meet people as I said, it's a great way to put your toe in the water of small groups. You don't have to jump in and swim and share uh, your most uh, difficult struggles, but you will find even in a average parish small group that some vulnerability, some sharing of my own thoughts and my own opinions, even when I know maybe they're not popular or whatever, all that's going to help me grow because then it allows for real honest dialogue. And it's, it's a taste and hopefully a little experience over six weeks for those who've never done a small group of what that could ultimately become in my life. Um, so, I, so in that way, I think it's a, 
it, it, it's a great opportunity to get something started. Wonderful. Thank you for that. You uh, Going back to small groups being an essential tool for the Christian life, you've already given us a number of biblical references, a number of times when Jesus himself is talking about laying down one's life for one's friends. And obviously, Jesus himself was facilitator of the leader of a small group, right? And uh, that was the way he carried about his earthly ministry. The 12 ministry. apostles, they, they look a lot like a small group, you know? Yeah, yeah, and, it, uh, indeed they, they do. They were with him all the time, and he he proposed things for them to learn. And I always laugh at that time when they're walking along and the Lord says to them, hey, what are you talking about? And you can imagine them blushing as I said, well, we were talking about who of us was the greatest. <laughs> and then he takes right. a child and puts them in the midst and says, unless you become like this child, mm. you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. And he uses that moment, but it's a small group moment, right? To challenge and to encourage and to invite to conversion. And I think this is really a key for evangelization. You know, people, um, there's a saying, you know, people have a difficulty believing before they belong. Mm. And inviting people into a small group where they feel welcomed, known, loved, those things let the walls come down. And then they can begin to deal with their deeper objections to the Catholic faith or deeper concerns. You know, I, I mentioned in the article that my sister has always done this, just so people don't think this is something priests and bishops do. You know, my sister's a married woman. She has seven kids. She's always been in a small group. And she does this at her Catholic school. She leads small groups for the Catholic moms through the Cana Family Institute small group. And she's had incredible conversions through that, right? People who, they don't really go to church very often, but they have their kids in a Catholic school and they decide to come to this small group. And then as they're studying together and sharing together and the moms are sharing about their struggles and, and they talk about confession. And one of the moms says, you know, I haven't been to confession since I was seven or eight, you know, and they talk about it. And then that person gets the courage to go back to confession. That person gets, starts going to church every Sunday. There's real conversions that happen because it's in an environment where people fear, feel known and loved and cared for. And then the walls can come down and the Lord can come into my heart in a deeper way. Excellent point. Another wall that occurs to me might be coming up in people and, and causing them to resist becoming involved in these small groups is the sense that I'm just being invited to participate in this so I can be indoctrinated with uh, the things that the diocese, the archdiocese, the things that the bishops want me to, to believe or to think. Uh, what would you say in response to a, that kind of objection, Bishop? Well, I would say that... Um... Christ always proposes, he doesn't impose, for one. We, we definitely, the small groups are going to be rooted in scripture and church teaching. And that's because we're looking for answers as a church together about how to make our parishes more evangelizing, how to keep our young people in the church, how to be authentic missionary disciples. And those answers are grounded in something not just our experience, but in fact, the truth of who Jesus is and the church that he gave us. And so we are going to look at scripture and we are going to look at church teaching as a way to ground ourselves in our faith, then be able to talk about our experience in that light of those things, because uh, that's the source of our faith. We all know we didn't invent Christianity, Jesus did. And we are its servants, not its masters. Even the bishop is only the servant of Jesus's teaching. So if, if reading the scriptures is indoctrination, well, then we're going to be guilty of that. But we're actually looking for divine inspiration, which we know is the true answer to our problems. Right. Very good. 
You know, a lot of people too might uh, might be on the point of. I know uh, you and Bishop Archbishop Hebda have been inviting people, welcoming people back to mass and that sort of thing. And uh, could this be a good way? It sounds to me like it might be a good way to reintegrate into one's parish is to become part of one of these small groups. Absolutely. You know, um, we really think it's providential that after COVID this fall, we'll have this opportunity to really invite people to come together in a deeper way as a community. So not just coming to mass, but come together and get to know some people in your parish. And even if that's all it ever is, is I get to know these eight people a little bit better in my parish and I have a, a little bit deeper friendship with them. It might lead to a long lasting thing like I've talked about, but it might just lead to making me feel more a part of my parish and more able to help in my parish and be part of that movement back to church, which, uh, which we know is so essential for our Christian life that we, that we belong um, and come together to God as, as God's people to worship. Right. Just a couple minutes remaining, Bishop, but if I may, a couple more questions. Well, one more question, and then we'll ask you for your blessing. Uh, I have to ask, um, speaking of being away from parishes for a while, you know, due to the obligation dispensation that was enacted all the way back in March of 2020, many people have been away from our churches and parish communities. Any indications about how Governor Walls's easing restrictions may affect Sunday obligation dispensation? Yeah, I'm not sure if I'm able to say an exact date today, but uh, it's coming. <laughs> the, we are uh, coming back to full life, and it won't be long before uh, the bishops of Minnesota, which we, we want to make sure that we do this together. We, you know, we lifted the obligation together. We opened our churches together, and so we have to make sure we're all on the same page. Uh, but we are getting to the point where we'll be able to once again reinstate the obligation to come to Mass. And all that is is to say that um, to remind us of the essential importance of that mass is. So the real question is, when should I come to, back to mass? And the answer is this Sunday, <laughs> come Excellent. back this Sunday. <laughs> this is, uh, this Sunday is all, the, all, you know, there are no more restrictions as of, uh, as of today, Friday, May 28th, right? There are no, no more restrictions. And um, so everyone is welcome back to mass and we're really grateful to have you back. Wonderful, Bishop. As always, thank you for your time, and may we ask you for your blessing. And may the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit descend upon each of you and remain with you forever. God bless Amen. you. Amen. Thank you, Bishop. Always good to speak with you. God bless you, too. All right, we're going to head into our final break, and when we come back, the small group of Paul Sadek and myself will have all sorts of events around the Archdiocese for you to get more involved in. Stay with us. Stay with us.